you ever walked past an old, dilapidated house, its windows boarded up, and gotten a feeling that something is off? Maybe you've heard people in town talk about this place, read about it online. Strange happenings, unexplainable phenomena. Sometimes a rumor's a rumor, and maybe sometimes it isn't. Throughout history, haunted houses have captivated the imaginations of believers and skeptics alike, leaving behind a trail of spine-tingling tales that endure through generations. What makes a place get haunted? Is it tragedy that occurred within its walls? Or is it a soul with, as they say, unfinished business? We wonder these things. We look for answers. In most cases, we'll never get them. Maybe that's what makes it so fascinating. Maybe it's that we can't know. We can never know for sure. There are people out there that don't care or maybe find this silly. But there are those of us who like to keep the curiosity going. Who like to stoke the fires of fascination and wonder. And yes... For some reason, fear. We seek it out in movies, books, and of course, my favorite, first-hand stories. I started this podcast because I want to hear more of them. I want to hear yours. Get in touch. Tell me your story. I'm Albie Robles, and I want you, listener to scare me. Michelle Rowan is a paranormal investigator with over 25 years of research and investigations in the paranormal field. Throughout this career, she's gathered numerous experiences and gathered an extensive collection of stories to share. And today, we get to share some of her stories with you. Hi, my name is Michelle Roan. I have been a paranormal investigator for about, well, technically since I was about eight years old in slumber parties doing light as a feather support when nobody else wanted to, but I guess uh, officially for about 25 years. Um, I'm also a wife, a mom. Um, and I'm an LMSW, which is a licensed master social worker. How I became a paranormal investigator, it was a windy road. It started, and and I think most investigators will tell you this, it starts in childhood with almost every investigator I've ever met. You know, we've all had an experience, something happened. So for me, um, you know, it's kind of hard to explain, but um, let me give it a shot. First of all, let me say this. I'm nosy. I'm insanely nosy. And I hate the not knowing. Um, And the paranormal is really a great big not knowing, um, you know, what's out there. So I had some significant trauma uh, as a child. And as this trauma was occurring, um, and it happened for years, I would kind of dissociate. I guess it would be the the best word I would dissociate. And, um, and I was pretty young, but uh, I remember it. And by dissociate, what I mean is I would go somewhere else. 
um, which is very common psychologically speaking. Um, so that's not abnormal, um, but I would go elsewhere. And I remember it being very dark and very scary. And I remember these things, you know, these beings, something. Um, and, and they were really scary. Um, uh, and I was just terrified. I mean, I was terrified anyway, you know, um, and I don't remember what they said, but I remember them talking to me and I was, I was just so scared, just so scared. Um, and then at some point these light beings came and would dance in front of me so that I couldn't see the dark beings. And then I wasn't you know, scared anymore. And I was relieved, you know, as a kid, I had awful night terrors, you know, which go along psychologically again, um, with, with this type of uh, trauma. And, um, you know, so a lot of this can be explained by the trauma itself, but I would, I, I, my, my poor mother, she didn't know what was happening, but she couldn't figure out why I was staying up at night. You know, I had this thing. I remember I grew up in Philadelphia and I remember thinking, you know, there are people that work nights, so I'm okay. There's, you know, cause everybody else to be asleep. And then there's me, you know, wide awake. And I remember thinking there's bakers, there's people who get up in the middle of the night. I'm okay. You know, like I was just so afraid because it kind of came out of the dissociation. It came out of that dark place into the physical. As a kid, I remember being so afraid. I couldn't scream. I don't know if you've ever had that or if any of your listeners have ever had that, but you are so scared. You're too afraid to scream. Like you're not afraid to scream. It just won't come out. And that level of fear is not normal for, for a child. And so, um, my mom, she just didn't know she, she was just beside herself. She was just like, just sleep. Why won't you just sleep? You know, this is the early eighties. So it's not like you just run your kid to the psychologist, you know, that wasn't a thing back then. So I remember she got me this, um, uh, it's a frog. It kind of sat over my dresser to watch over me and it helped a little bit. Eventually my grandmother got involved. Um, well, how that happened was, um, I'm Catholic, grew up Catholic. And I wrote a letter to our, our priest, the head priest, Father Scherf, and, uh, she found it. I told him everything, you know, like I just laid it out and I told him I was being in my little kid way. I was being tormented. And I knew it was different. Like it just wasn't normal kid stuff. So I was being tormented. She found it and she was like, oh my God, you know, like what? And so she, I wasn't going to give it to him. I was just writing it. I was actually doing self-psychology before I even knew what it was. I was journaling, you know, my grandmother took it to him. It was just me and my grandmother and him. And he had a mass for me. Um, I don't remember it very well, but I remember it was in Latin. There were oils. There was, you know, the incense and stuff. And after that, things calmed down quite a bit. She never told anybody in my family. I never told anybody. It wasn't a secret. It, it wasn't like anybody said, don't tell anybody, but we just, we just never did. I don't think it was an exorcism per se, but it was a blessing. So after that, things kind of calmed down, but I was still so fascinated by like, what, what is this? What happened? what was that? And I remember before, you know, the blessing, everything, I remember hearing these conversations. I'm not crazy. I promise. But (laughs) as a kid, you know, hearing these conversations, these whispers, and it was almost like they were fighting over me. 
but I couldn't make out what they were saying. And that's so scary, you know, for a child, that's really scary. So as I get older, high school, dragging all my friends to cemeteries and they're like, oh my God, you know, like this is not where we want to be on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. What are we doing? You know, like, and then college and everything, I just, I really was more reading than investigating. And then, you know, I had my kids. So probably mid twenties, I joined a local um, paranormal investigation group. um, And we started doing stuff. And from there, I just went nuts. (laughs) It's kind of a long way of, of getting to where I am today, but yeah, there's a lot more in between, but um, that's really how I got started is just wanting to understand what what that was. And I'm still on that quest. So I think the first time that I went on an investigation where I really was like, oh my God, this something's happening. Like this is real. I would say probably um, the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Um, so it's a beautiful, you know, if you ever get to go, even if you're just a history buff, it's absolutely gorgeous. It, it is just beautiful. But the history, of course, it's a plantation. So not great, you know. So they have the plantation house, which you can stay in, but they also converted the slave quarters to their uh, like a almost like a motel or like an inn kind of where they're like kind of how would you say like separate like the rooms that you would just kind of pull up to and go into you know so I personally was staying with another investigator we were sharing a room inside the plantation uh, that was the children's room and some other of our team were staying in what was the slave quarters looking back, I should have stayed, uh, in the slave quarters. I'm biracial. And there have been times where I have been on investigations where, um, it has actually triggered that has triggered, um, things, uh, for people, um, African-American people who have passed that I have gotten stuff where other people haven't. So but anyway, so we're, at, we're, at, uh, the Myrtles plantation and, you know, I don't spook easy. I really don't, but this was wild. So we were, it was all women. We were all, there was four of us. Yeah. There was four of us in the room in the slave quarters, which had been converted to a motel. And, um, you know, we're just doing our stuff and this is early on, you know, we don't have, we had the equipment. We had the great big video cameras, you know, that anyway, um, and we had a tri-field meter, which is like an EMF, but it's, you know, has the the needle that, you know, will go back and forth. And we start talking and, you know, we're just doing a session and we start, you know, talking and asking questions. And all of a sudden the needle on this EMF is just going, shing, you know, on the tri-field meter, shing, shing, it's going, it's just like spiking. Then everything just starts going crazy. The video camera we had was sitting on a nightstand. It just goes flying, literally, like out of the corner of my eye. I see it. Nobody's even over there. It just like goes flying off the the nightstand. We were like, oh my God, like what? I mean, it, it was just been, it's like the whole, it was like the things you see on TV, like pure chaos, you know, like somebody got like punched in the butt on in the corner, you know, so it was just like, what is happening? Like that was probably the the point where I was like, oh my God, like this is, 
this is ha- like this is happening. I don't know how, but it's happening, you know, because I'm I'm real I'm still a skeptic. I still that's why I'm on this journey, you know, like did I imagine all of that? Is was it just a psychological, you know, mind mess F, you know, or what? What what happened? What happened to me? So I'm always searching, but I'm always questioning too. But that that was weird. Like that was really, we were all just jaws on the floor. Here's a good one. So a friend in, I believe it was 2016, um, invited me to go to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And it was her and a friend. And they were allowing, I think, 14 people. And they had two openings. And the team I was with at the time, I, you know, I said, hey, did any of you want to go? And they said, no. My daughter had just turned 16. Sorry, it was 2017 because she she was born in 2001. She had just turned 16. She had been on a few investigations with us, just working camera and stuff. And I'm telling the kid is so brave. She is insanely brave. I asked her, do you want to go to Waverly Hills Sanatorium? And she was like, are you kidding me? Yes, I want to go to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And I'm like, all right, I bring her along. My friend actually backs out. <laughs> so she doesn't even end up going. So it's me and my daughter and, you know, 12 strangers. So we quickly make friends with most of the people there. And this place is massive. I, you know, I don't know if you've ever taken a look at it, seen it. It's huge. It used to be a tuberculosis sanatorium. It, it is just the creepiest place. It really, really is. There's like, I, I don't remember how many deaths I want to say. I don't know. A lot. There was a lot of deaths there. Um, and it was operational, I think, up through the 40s. And then they turned it into a nursing home, something like that. Lots of legends, you know, lots of stuff. Um, they have lots of, uh, they do Halloween stuff there, but it's massive. It's really, you know, you pull up and you're just like, oh my God. So, and and it's a big deal in the in the you know, paranormal community. It's like on everybody's list, right? So we're excited. We're like, woo, we're getting to go. Got all my equipment. So the way this place is built, it's like in a huge semicircle. And then they have like a little offshoot for people to kind of go rest. And it's like a lounge kind of for investigators. Um, There's two set of stairs. One set of stairs will lead you to this is important later. One set of stairs will lead you back outside to go to the lounge. The other set of stairs takes you up and down. There's like five stories. Okay. So, you know, we meet up with everybody and we go through the tour. Uh, Tina Mattingly is the uh, owner, super awesome lady. So sweet. We go through the, you know, she does a, a tour. There's no electricity in the place. It's not, you know, so, you know, we're doing our own thing. She, she's just like, okay, go have fun. You know, it's not like a guided thing or anything. And so I, I don't think I've ever gotten more evidence than I did in, than in that location. I mean, we had the spirit box clear as day. We said, I have video of it. I said, at one point, what floor should we go to? And the spirit box is like, you should like, floor two. And we're like, oh my God. Okay. You know, shadow. I've never seen a ghost. Okay. I've never seen a spirit. I've been doing this for how long? I've never seen a full body apparition with my own eyes, you know, but I have seen shadow people there and, and we're, we have recordings of it where, and my daughter and I are just like, 
and she's more skeptical than I am. She's like, oh my, that can't be real. Oh my God, what? It's so pitch black there, but the top, like some of the floors there, it's like open, you know, there's no windows. It's just like an open mezzanine or whatever. And so there's light kind of shining in and you see something just completely, you know, block out the light. You're like, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? Like it's bananas. So we, we just got so much evidence and, you know, I'm pretty brave. I've, I've, you know, I went in the morgue and went into the, you know, laid in one of the body things, you know, for a while to do EVP and stuff like that. We go down to go to the, um, and I was live streaming, I think at the time, but we go down there, they have, it's called the, well, I think it was officially called body shoot. They call it the death tunnel. So they didn't want the other TB patients to see when somebody had died, they didn't want to roll them out right in front of them, you know? So what they would do is they had like an, uh, kind of an, un, it's an underground, but like a lower level kind of thing where they would take the bodies out and they call it the death tunnel. It's supposedly insanely haunted. So at this point, everybody's doing their own thing. My daughter and I go, well, let's, let's go back in. So we're the only ones in there, just her and I. Now, mind you, the entire place is like surround, like you cannot get in, like it's gated, it's surrounded, it's got security cameras, there's security people. So we, we go in and we were like, oh, you know what? We haven't hit the, the death tunnel yet. Why don't we go, you know, to the death tunnel? We, we could only go maybe, I don't know, five yards, maybe before we both just were like, no, we can't, we can't go any further, which is nuts because we're like, we'll do just about anything. You know, I mean, I'm laying in a morgue inside of person's whatever, but I cannot walk down this and it is pitch black. Like there's no light or anything. Now I've had friends who've been there who like, they had no problem walking up and down. Like they've been to, and it's a long tunnel, but for some reason, for whatever reason, both her and I, we could not. So we come out of there and we're walking along and we're like, we're kind of getting a little freaked out and we decide, okay, well, let's go back. So we walk, you know, up the stairs or whatever. And, and this is all on video, by the way, it's hilarious. And, uh, you know, we walk up and we're like, wait, what? And we're on a different floor. We're not, we're lost. We're lost in Waverly. So as a mother, I'm, I'm kind of starting to get panicky, right? Um, I'm, I just start, you know, I'm, I'm freaked out because I'm in this massively haunted place that everybody knows is extremely haunted. Everybody knows. And it's massive and we're alone. So there's that. I'm, my maternal instincts are just going on, you know, off the wall. We just keep walking around. We keep coming back to these steps. I'm like, oh my God. So we're like, okay, we're lost. We, we cannot get out of Waverly. I don't know. Finally. We finally make it. And she starts, it's so funny because I'm recording her. And at first we're just walking normal pace, you know, but after a little while, you can see she's starting to pick up the pace. We're basically running at this point. Um, and, and I noticed that I think when I'm nervous, apparently I say, okay. And I have a video where I'm count how many times I say, I'm like, okay. And then, oh yeah, this way. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, like I just keep counting how many times I say, okay. Cause apparently I was very nervous. So, okay. Was the word. Um, yeah. So that was an experience, but while I was there, you know, I got, to, I got to meet a lot of really cool people 
And um, I met an investigator with, name's Lisa and her brother. Um, they were investigators from Las Vegas and um, super awesome people. And we kept in touch. I also met an investigator, John from San Antonio, um, John Delgado, awesome, awesome investigator um, who runs the group in San Antonio. Lisa and Kirk uh, run uh, in a, a paranormal team out of Las Vegas. So a year later in 2018, I get a, a message from Lisa in Las Vegas. And she says, um, hey, would you be interested in investigating the Goldfield Hotel. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? Like nobody can get in there. We were like, what? Nobody's in there, you know? Um, and so I'm like, well, how? And she's like, well, you know, I talked to the owner, blah, blah, blah. Now the Goldfield is, um, if anybody watches Ghost Adventures, <clears throat> the Goldfield is the very first investigation that they did televised. Um, I think it was like more documentary style. It's the one where the, um, brick goes flying across the room. Um, so we made a family vacation. Now, by the way, my husband is like, no ghosts. Like he is absolutely, he's like fully supports me, but he's like, don't bring anything home. He does not want to have anything to do with spirits ghosts. Um, so <laughs> So we make a family vacation out of it. We go to Vegas, you know, my daughter at this point is 17. Um, so kind of boring for her, but, um, but we went, we saw a show and um, she sleeps a lot. So she's a night owl. So we would just get up and go gamble, you know, in the morning while she was sleeping and, you know, do fun stuff during the day. So we spent a few days in uh, Las Vegas and then we drove up to Goldfield. Um, we got a room in Tonopa, where my husband stayed. And then my daughter and I drove back for the investigation. It's about 20, 15, 20 minutes. Um, the place is it's run down, you know, it's not, it's not in use anymore. Nobody uses it. And it's just creepy as hell. We did get, uh, we did get some, you know, some evidence it's, it is really creepy. There's, there's a story behind it. That's very distasteful, um, about, a, a man who, um, I'm trying to remember. It's a man who ran the place. And I want to say it used to be like a brothel or speakeasy, something like that. But he, there was a girl who was in love with this guy, but he was married and she got pregnant. And I can't remember the name of the, the woman, um, the, you know, the girl that haunts the place. There's a few spirits there. Um, but in order for, he ended up chaining her, um, chaining her to, uh, in a room somewhere, um, and letting her die, um, because he didn't want it to get out that she was pregnant. And it was just, it was a horrifying story. It was just really bad. So we spent a lot of time there, uh, trying to communicate with her, with, I think her name was Elizabeth. Um, one thing my child did was in, there's a basement in the basement, there's a, it's like stone, it's all stone. And it's, you know, really dark and I'm walking around with the flashlight and she's like around the corner. I can't find her. I come across, you know, come around this room and there she is standing, you know, with her face against the stone. I don't know if you've ever seen Blair Witch at the end of the movie. It's exactly, I have a picture of side to side. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. Like, she's insane. I'm like, oh my God, she's literally a chip off the old block. But 
so from there, <laughs> you know, we're leaving now Tonopa, where my husband was, where, where we were staying after we left the investigation. You know, we had a really nice time. Not a nice time. It's a ghost, you know, <laughs> we had a fun time. Tonopa is known as the UFO, uh, UFO Central of America, UF, the number one most UFO sightings of the world or whatever. So, of course, we're driving home at night. And it's a kind of like, it's a mountain town, you know, so it's in Nevada, it's mountainy. So I see this light up ahead and I said to my daughter, oh my God, look at that, look at that light. And so I'm like, get the camera, get the camera. She's fumbling to get the camera and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, it's UFO. And as we get closer, it's getting bigger. And I'm like, it, this is, oh my God, this is it. Like we, we're going to see an alien, like this is happening. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And it's a UPS truck. It's just a truck with the headlights. <laughs> so we burst out laughing. We're like, we almost had it. We almost had it. We almost had it. And so the next day, you know, my husband's like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know, you know, whatever. The next day we went to the clown motel, which is in Tonopa. I hate clowns. I hate them, but I'm like, I'm in Tonopa. Like, what? I got to do it. You know, you got to do it. We got some great pictures. The people there are so nice. Why anybody would stay there is beyond me, but we did investigate a little bit in there during the day. Um, we got a ton of EMF hits, which was insane. Um, and the, the people there are so nice. They're like, oh no, try this one. This one is definitely haunted. Like, so we're like with our EMF, we're like, oh yeah, you know? So that, that was a really, um, that was a really, really fun trip. If you ever get up there, the clown motel, I mean, it, there's also a really old, uh, semi, not really old, I mean, old in American standards, uh, cemetery right next to it which is um it's it's a lot of fun the people are so nice there i wouldn't stay there um because clowns are very creepy um and it's a very creepy place but it they are very nice <laughs> yeah do you want to try to scare me if you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albirobelesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albie Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound beds are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com.